Yes. Who is at the table today? Well, when we when we when we when we were putting the shows together, topics together, we did a, t- a show on families uh, during the pandemic, and we realized that man, the family is so dynamic and that we needed to do some pieces of the family or some aspects of family um, life. And we thought about, hey, let's do something on parenting. Uh, you know, that that unique thing that happens uh, where two people came together, they, 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 they uh, I'm, I'm just trying to be a G-rated show here. <laughs> and they, they produced an offspring. And now, yes. now all of a sudden, now you got this little you <laughs> trying to figure out how to deal with it. And then the pandemic on top of that, my goodness. So we thought we would put a show together on pa- on parenting in the pandemic. And we have with us uh, from uh, the North American Division, the Family Ministries Directors, Doctors Pamela and Claudio Consuega. They are going to be with us today. And we have a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to share, to learn about this ministry through one of our viewers who are watching right now, uh, Pastor Kamon Hines. He introduced me to Lakita, I think I'm saying it right, Lakita Carell. And uh, so we're excited to have her with us. They run a program called Parents Train Up. It's a ministry that they are doing. Um, They do seminars. You'll hear more about it. But we're just so glad to have them here with us. So we want to bring them in at this. Well, actually, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll bring them on. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, for allowing us this platform to to speak about parenting. And then, Lord, we do want to pray for those who have lost loved ones during this time. Lord, it's hard. It's difficult. And I just ask, God, that your power, your power of presence will be visible and be felt with those individuals today. And also, God, help us to look forward to your soon return. And then lastly, Father, we pray also for those who have lost loved ones um, during that horrific event, 9-11, where many people lost their lives there, God, and many people where their lives were dishuffled because of this horrific event. I ask, God, that your power and your presence will be with those individuals too. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, let's invite our guests to come with, come be with us. Good afternoon. Hello. How <laughs> are you? We're so glad to have you here with us at the Pastors Roundtable. Before we we get into the introductions, we'll give you a little opportunity to share. But we want to just remind our viewers to share and like um, our uh, this show so that others can get to hear the information that you're about to hear. We are so blessed to have Doctors. Pamela and Claudio Consuega with us, the North American Division uh, Family Ministries Directors. We we just shared your name and a little bit of excitement that I had into it, but I, we want to give you an opportunity to share. You can introduce yourself however you want to do it. Share, shout out to anyone. We're going to give you about 40 seconds to do that. Or, you know what, take your time. Share with us uh, how you would like us to, you know, how you'd like to greet our viewers. Well, thank you Thank you so much for the opportunity to spend this Sabbath afternoon with you and talk about the important topic of parenting. It certainly is something that's near and dear to our hearts and something that we have actually invested a lot of time and resources in at the North American Division to help equip parents. So it's a delight to be with you this afternoon. You're going to tell a preacher he only has 40 seconds? <laughs> we, don't, we don't get to the altar call. <laughs> 
Uh, we're just delighted to be with you, Pastor Roger, Pastor Henry, and I'm sorry that Pastor Paul can't be with us. Our sympathy, our condolences go with him and his family. But thank you for asking us to be part of this Pastors Roundtable, and we are excited to be able to share with you a few things that we've learned in the last uh, 40 years of marriage and 38 of parenting. Hopefully we've learned something good. Excellent, excellent. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you again. And we look forward to diving in. But we want to give uh, our other guest, uh, Sister Carell Lakita, I think Lakitia. You, you will share with me exactly how to say it. But you have, you have, take your time, share with us, introduce yourself, sh uh, shout out, whatever you want to do in this time frame. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. And my name is Lakita Carroll. And um, I guess I want to say to everybody that the family has been through a lot this past year. So this is really, really, really a very, very good, um, timely show because there's no, there doesn't seem to be an end to this pandemic at this point. But at parents training, we like to say, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> parents should be laughing and enjoying themselves because this is what oftentimes we pray for, we desire it, we want to have kids. You know, we ask for them and they are here. And so if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. So we're going to give you some strategies. I love strategies. I mean, I really, really, it's not life if I can't walk away with at least one strategy. So I like to give you a lot of strategies on how to live a better life, even in the pandemic. It's possible and mm. have a better life and to live better and to enjoy your life. So I'm really looking forward to this. I really hope that our audience will walk away with several, several, several strategies. That's the goal. So that you can walk away. If you just write down one, that may change the trajectory of your family. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, let's jump right in. We are just so excited about starting this presentation. Listen, parenting is not easy. Take it. No. I, listen, I I know all of us on here are, are parents, but it is not easy on a regular basis. And this time has brought things to another level. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, we, we, we're kind of we're kind of stuck with our with our kids 24 seven. <laughs> 2024-7 now. What have you learned <laughs> that you can share with us regarding some challenges of of parenting during this pandemic? We 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 know that this pandemic has has laid in us with some things, but what are what are some things you can share with us uh, on regarding the challenge? I'm going to ask Sister Carell to go first on this one. All right, so let's get a good look at what we've been through in this past year and a half. We now have grieving families because families have lost. Uh, members, friends to COVID. We have um, anxious family and anxious children, depressed families. We have families who have suffered from uh, financial disruptions. We have um, children who has who had behavioral problems before, and now those behavioral problems due to stress has kicked up. If there was a crack in the family, if there was a problem, an underlying problem that no one was addressing, it became apparent during COVID. And then we have compounded problems. For example, with George Floyd, I don't know anybody in America who wasn't traumatized by that video. You know, if you dare let your eyes sit on that thing, you know, so that all by itself, children lost so much. For example, uh, they got a chance to see their family, their moms and dads, maybe in fear mm. constantly. You know, because they didn't know what was going to happen from day to day. We may have had displaced families. So it has been huge. Now, 
children who are outgoing, you know, we have this extrovert, introvert, you know, you can put it on a continuum, but children who were uh, are extrovert really suffered and are suffering during this time. Children who are introverted, I actually had a teenager to say to me, I'm living my best life. I don't have to go to school. I can see do school online. So it was, uh, there's a whole, um, there's a whole spectrum of responses to this situation. So that's just to set the stage that that's really what we're dealing with mm. is people who have been a whole nation, a whole world who have been through this major horrible situation and some people thrive through it and some people not so much. So mm-hmm. uh, but the thing is that there are some answers for it. I'm going to let uh, the doctors give us a little background, a little information. <laughs> well, thank you. You, you hit the, so many nails yes. right on the head, not just one, too many nails right on the head. <laughs> I fully agree with you on all of those. Uh, you know, one of the things that we have seen is the, uh, the, the solution of the family. You would think that by being together, our families would have been stronger. And in reality, many families have actually fallen apart. And what we have said is that the children are a blessing, but not always. Mm. Now, let me explain this. When you have a good marriage, when you have a good family, the child, a new child, adds to the blessing of the family. Now, statistically... Uh, marriage satisfaction tends to go down after the birth of a child. But if you have a strong relationship, it picks back up, back up and then you're happy again. But if you have problems in the family, an addition to a child doesn't make the marriage better. It tends to make it worse. Mm. That's, mm. What, that's what the pandemic has also done to families. For those families that were already healthy and strong, the pandemic only brought them closer together. But for those families that were having problems, the pandemic tore them apart and the children were in the middle of it all. Mm -hmm. So not only did they lose their school and their school friends, they lost the uh, ability to go even to the park. Because, as you know, sometimes we were even afraid to let the kids go outside, although outside was probably the healthiest place to be. But they are now losing the safety of, of the home. Now they don't have that place, that sheltering, safe place that they call home. And so the children are really the ones suffering in every possible direction. Wow. And I, wow. You know, I, would, I would just add to that for so many parents, if they thought about their life pre-pandemic, they would say, oh, I have so much to juggle. I have so much to do. But then when the pandemic hit almost overnight, they found those responsibilities in some cases, more than doubled. Mm. And now they long for that pre-pandemic parenting role again. So I think for so many parents overnight, they had assumed that they had to assume the role of teacher, mm-hmm. for example. They had not assumed mm-hmm. that role before. And so overnight, they have to figure out how am I going to keep my job? How am I going to remain a professional and keep my... and be at the top of the game on my career. But over here, I've got three little ones on three different computers. And wow. I'm trying to I'm trying to juggle all of the different times they have to log in for this class and that class and then do their homework. And it just has become overwhelming for so many parents that let's be honest, support systems were not in place 
to deal with those things because it was a new reality we found ourselves in. The one good thing, though, is parents found out that the problem with their children was not their teacher. Now they were teaching their own children. So, ah, now we know why our kids are the way they are. Not the teacher. It's us. The light comes on. (laughs) And I think that's really important to talk about the um, problems that were under, just beneath the surface. I mean, you have a job. You're working from six to six. You might spend family life maybe two hours, you know, uh, a night because in the kids to bed, and then you finally drop off to sleep. But those problems, uh, not just within the family, but individually, if you were suffering from anxiety before the pandemic, oh, that just kicked it up. I saw so much more of anxiety after the pandemic started in my practice. People were just young people, older people, everybody was suffering from this anxiety and not knowing what to do and where to go. And as you said, the support system we saw is was just really not there. And we have been operating in America as individuals. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't know our neighbors. We had not contacted them. Our family members were way over here and someone else was way over there. And so we just didn't know who to turn to, how to turn to. And those people who were at the poverty line at that time and lost their jobs at that time, that was very difficult for them. So it's 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 been a real roller coaster ride for parents. It's a lot. Um, it's a it's, it was it's so many levels of it, and it's not over. It's not. I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the damage. The damage is not over. It, I mean, we're not. I, I read somewhere where five years after the death is most likely when people will suffer from cancer. What are we going to look oh. at in five years from now? What are we looking at? So it's, it's, it's huge, and the information and what, um, what we need to be doing or trying to do is build that support system that you were talking about and learn some strategies because if not, this thing, this is going to be the gift that just keeps on giving year after year after year after year, and we don't know for how long. Wow. That's wow. right, and it's, That's it's not only, it's important to, I think, point out, we're not just talking about professional support systems. No, uh, because I think we need to look at the extended family support systems were taken out from under us. You know, in many cases, parents relied on grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. They relied on auntie and uncle or maybe another trusted and loved family friend. But all of a sudden you can't even see those people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't visit them. And so those extended family support systems were also taken away from us. And, you know, I think, too, uh, Dr. That that's really critical because I think we had gotten to a place where we were feeling like family didn't count. In so many homes, you had these long term arguments where people are angry for months and years and years and years with each other. And now you're stuck. You're stuck in this little box with no one to help you because we've alienated everybody. I I hope that's a big lesson. And the first strategy is to stay in contact and to stay connected to your family. Yes, Uncle Jed's got some strange ways. And yes, Auntie Martha is going to be judgmental or say something you don't like. But we just can't discard people because we don't ever know when we're going to need those people or when they will need us. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking as we're as we're talking about parenting, 
um, I'm thinking that, you know, today we know that 20 years ago uh, we had 9-11, you know, this horrific, horrific event that happened. And I was thinking, um, you know, being a parent, has parenting changed since 9-11? This is just a you know, question in my mind. I was reading an article just a while ago um, this week, and it was just saying that a lot of things have changed since 9-11. It says uh, the way we take pictures changed. And I was amazed at that, you know, because now they're focusing on scenes and, and events and so forth. They say the way we do art changed. And, and so I'm thinking now the way we do parenting, has that changed since 9-11? I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Go I ahead. think that's absolutely correct in, in that if, if you recall what happened immediately after 9-11, this sense of fear, this sense of insecurity. So it brought us all back together again. You know, someone made the, the comment that connection, staying connected. Well, it happened then. But then what happens after, as time went on, then we begin to become complacent again. Everything is back to normal. We're okay. Well, now with the pandemic, we're back to being connected. So what we need to make sure that we do is that we are intentional about remaining connected, not just stay connected temporarily while there's a crisis. In fact, talking about crisis, when someone who we love, someone that's close to us dies, we are very connected. And then we kind of go back to our separate lives. So how do we manage to stay connected on a regular basis, on a constant basis? That for that, we have to be intentional. And I'm glad that we have, you know, social media. This is a, a great way to get connected and stay connected with people even on the other side of the world. But we really need to find as ways to connect at the personal level with our neighbors, with our church. You know, we were in church this morning and there's still people who, you know, and I'm not judging anyone, but they prefer to be on Zoom than there in person. But being in person at church, it was exciting. It was refreshing. We got up and sang like we hadn't done really in about 18 months because when we are sitting in our recliner or chair and they're singing, we're watching people sing instead of singing ourselves. But in church, we have that personal connection again. So again, be intentional at remaining connected, connected with those closest to you. And as parents, as children grow up, we tend to let them go freer or farther. We need to stay connected with them too. We have two daughters, 38 and 35. We are connected with them on a daily basis, not once a week, not once a month, not once in a while. Daily, we have, even if it's just a one text message, I love you, have a good day. That is important for us to have a good, strong relationship with our parents, with our kids. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes we have made during this pandemic is to over and over again, we, we ourselves even have used the term social distancing. Mm. And I think that needs to be removed mm. from our vocabulary. We are not advocating social distancing, maybe physical distancing, but I think that social connectedness. So, you know, stop using the term social distancing because remaining connected with people in whatever way we can. And, and we do praise the Lord for technology during the pandemic because it was the only way for a time that we could connect with anyone. We were right. quarantined in our homes. 
So praise God for that. But let's make sure that we even use that in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the past 20 years, how parenting changed. Yeah, I think so. And and I and I really like what I um the doctor said. He says uh, now the parents know what the who's the problem, the teacher or the, or the children. I believe I agree with them that we have become so distant from each other. We really had. I'm not for sure that the pandemic is doing the exact same thing that the um 911 incident did. I, I'm not I, I'm not for sure of that. I'm thinking on a more on a more social societal level, there's becoming a bigger and bigger breach between peoples. Um, and then in the homes, what we are focusing on or finding is that people are, uh, the cracks are, are becoming more prevalent in the homes and stuff. And yeah, and this being able to, I love technology and I know that it's God's grace and goodness that we have all of this stuff and it was prepared for this time. But at home, people are still isolated because they're on their phones and they're in their own tablets and they're on their own, you know, computers and stuff. So in a sense, there's still some isolation going on, even though we are forced to be in the same environment 24 hours, seven days a week, or at some point we were forced in that situation. Wow. Yeah. So so listen, you 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 pointed out some great things in terms of um, especially how parenting has changed. You talked a lot about the social, uh, some of those broad tips, broad things. Um, how should parents approach the issue of spe- of sending their children back to school? You know, that is that has caused some communities to just break apart. We're talking about parenting. We'll get to some of the other pieces in a little bit, but but you know I want to hit the broad strokes right now. You know we we look at the news, we we talk about with, with parents are trying to stand up for their children. They're they're trying. You know, what what? How should they approach sending their children back to school for in person learning? <laughs> you know, Pastor, you're asking a hot potato uh, <laughs> question right now because. Uh, my, my first thought is, no matter how I answer that question, I'm going to be in trouble with comments. You're live streaming this to social media. So, so, so I'm going to try to give a politically correct answer. Okay, I would just, I would really encourage parents, educate yourselves. Mm. And don't educate yourselves by social media. Educate yourselves by trusted professionals, you know, um, seek the Lord's will in prayer. And then once you've really taken the time to equip and educate yourself, then make an informed decision for your family, because that's going to be different depending on where you live in the country, depending on your family makeup. If you're even able to maybe, for example, keep your kids home and homeschool them, that differs. And so to give one blanket answer, um, I think would be misleading other than just to say, educate yourself. In the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, at least here in North America, we have the great advantage of having a lot of medical institutions, a lot of medical professionals. 
So what we always recommend is that you go to the medical professionals, those who are experts in that area. We have a little advantage in that our daughter happens to be a doctor. She's a surgeon. And so when all the information is passed out, we immediately call her and say, hey, what do you think? What is your view? What is your understanding? She's the one that's deep into those kinds of things so that we can then make those decisions. And so that's what we recommend to the parents. Talk to their pediatrician, to your children's pediatrician, to your family doctor, to those who are experts in that area. One thing we recommend is don't get all your information from social media, from the media sources, because you only get bits and pieces and not always from the experts. So go to those who actually have the best of information and then you can make, as Pam says, an educated decision. Well, I'm thinking that I'm probably not going to be uh, politically correct. <laughs> See, that's the benefits of a lay person. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is an excellent opportunity for everybody to live out your faith. You know, people talking okay. about, they say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. So here you get a chance to act like that. The question is, am I my brother's keeper? And mm. want to others as you desire that they do unto you. So you want uh, you want people to treat you and to protect you and to take care of you and to make sure that you are safe around them. Then you have to make sure that you're doing the same thing for other people. You have to think about also be respectful. You can have strong opinions and feelings about whatever you want to, but be respectful about it because other people have strong feelings as well. Exercise your right. I like what the doctor says when she said you can do homeschooling, virtual school, or send your child to a school. It's like everybody wants the pie. They want to keep, they want to eat all the pie, eat the crumbs, and then turn around, lick the plate, and still have a pie. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, it, you can't, if you want a certain thing and your school is saying, no, we're not going to do it that way, walk away, people. Go on about your business because do what you can do at home. And I know everybody can say, well, everybody can't do it, what, what they want to do at home. That means you're going to follow the rules of the school. It's simple to me. I've never heard of mm -hmm. all the stuff that I'm hearing about today, which I'm glad again that I am a lay person, so I get to speak to her. <laughs> and remember, schools aren't setting policies for just your family. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to keep everybody safe. And at the end of the day, being honest with you, real honest, the principal wants to go home, and he doesn't want to take COVID home to his family either. So we have developing guidelines for everybody, the teachers, the immune compromised staff and students for the asthmatics that's on their campus. They have to think about everybody, not just about you and what you desire and how comfortable you are. It's about everybody. And we're all uncomfortable. I have a five-year-old granddaughter and she was saying, um, COVID. They was in school for a week and had to shut it down because someone wow. was exposed to COVID. And thank God they reported it. They were exposed, so they shut it down for a week. And so my, um, she's doing a combination of homeschool and church school, combination of homeschooling. And she, and she says, my daughter says, oh, you don't go to school today? She said, thankful, because I don't have to wear that mask all day. <laughs> so, I mean, it's uncomfortable for everybody. It really mm -hmm. is. So the question is not, is it my right? Am I being trampled over? Blah, blah, blah. The question is, will my brother next to me, if I breathe on him, will he die? Mm. If I choose to act in a certain way, 
and I need the ICU. And another person acts in a certain way to protect themselves, but it has nothing to do with being having COVID. They need the ICU. Who should get that room? So it comes down to we have mm. to think beyond. See, this is God pushing us into a better relationship with him through others. Because now we have to look at, will my behavior impact the next person in such a way that it ends their life? And wow. that's the real question. It's not about how comfortable we are. It's not comfortable. This is not comfortable. It's called a pandemic. And I don't remember that being on anybody's bucket list is to live through a pandemic. I don't remember anybody saying that. But anyway, since I'm lay person, I can say it. <laughs> Listen, uh, you, you, great, great things being shared here. And um, I want to I want to just bring it back to the to the, the theme of parenting. So so what what are, as you talked about thinking about the, the, the rights you talked about getting the information, how can we teach our children um, through these exercises that we're going? What are some of the things that we need to keep in mind as we are making decisions to help parent our child? You know, I think we need to be honest with kids. I think we need mm -hmm. to um, definitely share with them as far as they can understand what a pandemic is. I think most young people, maybe eight or nine, will understand that if you cough, you can give somebody a cold. But the difference is that this is so much more serious. The person can get very, very, very sick. So I think we need to really talk to them. We need to talk to them also about being their brother's keeper. That it's our responsibility to make sure that we're not doing something that can hurt other people. And that's just not talking about just bullying, which needs to be talked about too. That's still going on. But also about, you know, wearing your mask or, you know, standing up. Don't get right up on people. We always tell kids, don't put other people like forks in your mouth and spoons in your mouth and don't, you know, mm -hmm. eat after other people. That's been going on. So that's a good thing. So we want to talk to them and answer their questions. I was surprised to see uh, my granddaughter. She was four and we saw the uh, uh, magazine and it had the picture of COVID on it, of, of the little virus. And she was like, oh, the virus, you know, I want that magazine. And I was like, it's eight dollars. Let me find something online for you. But <laughs> so I, it's real important for us to talk to our kids and not to try to transfer biases to them and, you know, force ideas upon them. Even if, you know, let me, let me be careful with that because I believe we need to teach our children our values. But I also think we need to be very respectful of other people's values. So we don't want our children going out in the street saying, you need on a mask or why do you have on a mask? We really want them to have about the um, understand why we do what we do and do it in such a way that we're not terr terrifying the children and stuff, but more like, like we're, we are actually participating in protecting and taking care of other people by doing what we're doing. I, I mean, if that's the message you're giving. Okay. I would just add to that too, for parents to be mindful that their children are watching them. How are you dealing with wearing your mask? I mean, you know, like you just said, let's be honest, it's not fun for any of us to wear our masks six hours a day. But how do we respond? If, if we go into a store or if we go into a restaurant or even into our child's school, do we complain all the way about we have to put this stupid mask on and wear it? 
or do we not wear it properly? So our children are watching us. What, you know, what attitude do we have about some of those restrictions that are in place regarding wearing our masks or distancing or, or some of those things? They're watching us and they pick up on that. We can't expect them to joyfully wear their mask all day at school when all they do is hear us grumble about it. I hope that if we learn one lesson out of this pandemic, I mean, there's plenty of lessons, but if we have learned one lesson that we and our kids can learn is that we need to be careful. If I'm just coming down with a cold, wear a mask then, even if it's not required anymore, but why not wear it for, as Sister Carell says, for somebody else's sake. You have to confess, sometimes in the past, we were not feeling too well and we would go to work like anything else. Mm -hmm. Next week, everybody else had a cold. Mm -hmm. So if we have learned one lesson is, let's be more careful, let's be more mindful wow. of the needs of others, wash our hands, wear our mask, whatever it is, just to, to make sure that other people are not, uh, do, do not contract anything that I may have, which may be again, as simple as a cold but it could affect someone uh, adversely. So that's a good lesson for the kids to learn. And Dr. Claudia, you hit on something that's really, really important. You said that, um, are we going to be rebellious? Because children, they don't care about the mask, but it is that attitude. And that attitude, mm -hmm. you will translate further down to your children, and you're stuck with that for the next 25 years, just simply because of a little mask, you know? But again, if we're modeling for them, uh, compliance, you know, submissiveness to the laws, then maybe we won't have to pick them up at the jailhouse. Maybe we won't have to worry about them being in school, not wanting to follow the rules, you know, and uh, giving the teacher a hard time because she said, take out your pencil. So that's very, very critical. That's one of the first things you want to look at is what is my attitude like in this mm. situation? You know, That's I just right. noticed a question yeah. that I think it's important to address. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of openly discussing COVID and watching the news with our kids? Yes. Uh, can that have an, a, an adverse thing, uh, anxiety effect? And I said, absolutely. In fact, uh, Pastor Henry, going back to 20 years ago to 9-11, what were we doing for the next three, four weeks watching mm. the crashing planes over and over again? It was creating anxiety on all of us. And so I think some of us finally said enough is enough. With the pandemic, it's the same thing. In fact, we had some programs last year and we were saying to people, stop watching the news constantly. Don't watch it 24 hours a day, get more and more bad news because it's creating anxiety in you and especially in your children. So there's a point at which you have to say, let's not continue to watch this. Now, I'm not saying that you say to your children, let's not talk about it. No, it's important to talk about it. In fact, Sister Carell said that. In fact, it's important you listen to what they are telling you. What is it? What are their fears or concerns? So maintain that communication about it, but don't watch the news about it constantly because it just gets too deep into your being to the point where just you become paranoid of everything and anything. Put a limit to that. And and, and there you go. That's important. And and I'm so thankful that for someone asking that question because. Um, Sister Carell talked about the importance of being honest with our kids about where mm -hmm. we are and what we're going through. But there again, the question becomes, who do we want to, to guide that discussion? Mm 
Yes. Do we, do we want media to guide that discussion with our kids? And for some parents, I think we have made the mistake in letting that happen with images that even very young children, they're not understanding and it creates fear. If you think back to where the pandemic was at its height in New York City, think about the images that were coming out of the hospitals in New York City. They were showing trucks, tractor trailer trucks being used as morgues and bodies being put on those trucks. Do we want those images to guide the discussions with our two, three and four year old or even our teenagers? So be very careful about limiting media. And as parents, you take control of that discussion and don't let the TV screen do it for you. And I agree with that, too. I'm um, not just television, but there's been a push for so many years that the school should teach this uh, anything other than um, Reading, math, social study, spell, spelling, etc. But all of these others type of value-oriented type of classes and stuff that the teachers are supposed to teach this and they need to teach that. Some of this stuff is just for parents. Parents have to teach their children. I'm going to step off of that because that's, that has nothing to do with pan, the pandemic. But I will say, I'm in agreement. I myself cut off. I had to cut it off. Social media, I love the news, you know. Social media, news, everything. Just cut it off because <laughs> sometimes it can become overwhelming. I mean, if it was bad before COVID and now you have mm-hmm. COVID and that and everything else, that it was it's, it's just a little bit much. So, yeah, maybe watching the news with them, unless it's something good coming on, like finally we found a complete cure or there is no more, you know, uh, COVID, then then maybe that's a good thing to show them. But we don't want our children growing up in fear. We don't. We want them to grow up, you know, strong and healthy and happy. They deserve that. We had an opportunity for that. And now it's their turn to get that opportunity, too. Uh, You know, you you, you brought up a very good point. And I think it it, it reinforces what you were sharing about the fact that um, the things that we do help to feed um, what our children are seeing and 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 form um, concepts because if the family was strong as you shared earlier the pandemic brought them closer together uh, or strengthened them even more we played games we we were able because you know after a while television became boring because there were no new tele new shows um, we were home more so we as a family we grew closer because we were doing things together and and as you shared if we were coming together and we were positive about it that will definitely transmit a positive attitude. But if we were we were struggling, and all of a sudden we have these bad attitudes, you know, as you know, uh, domestic violence in the home increased, um, things like that mm-hmm. happened. So there were more violence at home. There were more things at home in some in certain families. Um, that also sends a, a negative message to our children. And so I think you are you're hitting it on the head that we as parents have a strong um, opportunity to help yeah. shape our kids and, and how they think and how they, they are able to cope in society based on how we act in the home. Right, and how we respond to the crisis, right? I mean, the children, they're watching us and they want to see how we respond. 
to these mm -hmm. to, to the things that are happening in the world. And, and one of the questions I wanted to ask, though, is with all these things going on, I mean, we didn't even talk about the earthquake, you know, in Haiti or what's happening with Afghanistan and citizens, you know, trying to come back over here or or Hurricane Ida that just, you know, went through and caused major disruption there in New Orleans and also in the tri-state area. With all these things going on, how can we as parents um, provide, uh, I want to say, well, a happiness or a good outlook on life with all of these things? And I'm talking particularly parents of children. Right. Because, I mean, we're always a parent. Right. Whether they, uh, you know, they get out of school and, you know, they have kids and all that. But particularly parents of children, how can we provide a good outlook on life with all of these happening, uh, all these events, horrific events happening around us? Well, the first thing is that we will um, have to distinguish that children aren't seeing all that we see. So, and that's another good reason not to have them in front of the news every day, because it is, it's overwhelming, it's too much. And then secondly, there is a um, verse in the Bible, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Now we see through a glance darkly, then we shall see as he has seen, I think, or so we shall see clearly. Well, right now, kids don't fully understand everything. They may not know what an earthquake is until we tell them what it is, or they may not fully understand, depending on the age. Teenagers usually are so kind of self-focused that they're not really, unless we kind of push it into them, they're not paying attention either. So how can we do? It's the same way you've been doing it before. We validate their feelings. We talk to them and look them in the eye. We take them where we can take them. We touch our children, physical touch, hugs. We say to them that everything is going to be all right. I like to do, uh, at some point, me personally, I would wake up and it's probably a week after I found there was a pandemic or something. And I was like, oh, we're still here. And a month later, I was still feeling that way. Oh, we're still here. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to be here. So you have to change this narrative. So my narrative changed to when I woke up in the morning. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive. Thank you, Lord, because the sun is shining. Thank you, Lord. So that practice of gratitude, teaching them to be grateful, doing extra special things for them that they that is um, that is allowable. I'm not saying go out and spend up your life savings on something for your children. <laughs> But I am saying, if you can make a special breakfast every now and then, you say to them, okay, we're in this pandemic, we're going to be here for, you know, you're going to be at home with me, I'm at home with you. Let's every Wednesday have a certain type of pancake. Or let's every Friday we're going to do a certain thing. If you can build in some joy and some rituals into your life, that will make it a lot easier on you and on them. And there is something to look forward to. They may not be able to go to the, you know, well, they can go to the playground, but you know, not the indoors one, but they may not be able to go to some of the places they used to go to, but we may have to switch it up. We may have to take on fishing. We didn't fish before, but we may have to do it now. So there are just some things you may just have to switch up some stuff. And remember that they don't know everything we know. And so they don't really know how bad a flood is unless they see it on TV and see somebody being, you know, like, um, really in a lot of pain or agony and stuff, and then it may register. But for the most part, most 
young people don't know all that we know. And that's why they're children and we're adults. And we have the privilege of saying, well, we're not going to expose them to this and this. I can remember watching the um, Vietnam War on TV. They would have some of that on television. I had no clue what I was looking at. I mean, I can still see the images today of them going through the forest of the thick woods and stuff. And I just had no clue about what they were doing and what it meant. And nobody bothered to tell me what it meant. And so it went way over my head. I, I want to add uh, to what uh, Sister Correll was saying. Since this is the pastor's roundtable, I want to talk to the pastor just for one minute. One of the interesting things that has happened as a result of the pandemic is that pastors' kids have said, we are so happy we're actually able to see our dad or our mom, who's a pastor, we actually get to see them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so see, we, we are so busy with the work of ministry that we forget we have a family and preachers' kids are saying, this is wonderful. We got mom home, we got dad home. So one lesson for pastors is to be sure that you give to your family the time that your family needs. If you dedicate your entire life only to the ministry and leave the family aside, your family will pay a very heavy price. For those of you who are not pastors, who are church members, what I would say is give your pastors the time with his or her family. Because I can tell the pastors, but I know the pastors are saying, but the church is demanding so much of my time. So I'm now talking to the church members and saying, help your pastors have some good quality time with his or her family. Because they need it, the pastors need it, and their children need it. You know, one of the things, two things we learned uh, recently one, it was in Psychology Today, the latest issue, there was a short uh, bit of news that says that the, uh, uh, the uh, suicide rate during the pandemic actually went down. Mm. You would expect that it would go up, but it's actually gone down, except for younger children. And I'm talking children ages 10 or 12, the suicide rate actually skyrocketed. And part of that, as Sister Carell has said, is because of that fear and anxiety, but also in addition to that, what they're hearing and seeing in the media, not only from the uh, professional media, but from their friends, the bullying that's going on. You know, we have always said, limit the exposure to media, your children's exposure to media. Well, suddenly the pandemic comes and school is online and, and research is online and friends are online. Well, now they're spending all the time in front of the screen. And so how do you limit screen time when the kids have to do it? Well, now that so that the kids are finally able to go back to school, if they can, now we can again begin to limit that exposure to the screen time so that they are not bullied, so that they are not afraid, so they don't hear all these messages, and instead spend quality time with them. That's what we encourage parents to do. And you know, I would ask you parents who are online right now, I would ask you a question. What do your kids have to look forward to next week? Wow. Uh, because you know, Dr. Correll said something very, very important build in those things that they look forward to have a set schedule and today's monday but all all week say you know friday 
we get to have family time. Friday night is family time. And let's look forward to that. So I would just ask you parents, what are your kids looking forward to? You know, actually, I, I, I think that you just hit on something that we, we talked about the kids looking forward to something or providing something to look forward to. I wonder, are parents looking forward to something? Um, I think we, we, we I think we're, we're on a theme here that they they will mimic what they see. So as, as we're talking to parents here, um, it's one thing to say to the parent, plan for something. But what what can I do as a parent? To, to have the fortitude or, 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 or the, the, the sense of uh, I'm on the right track helping my child? You know, what, what are some of the things as a parent I need to do to help me parent better? You know, among the things that we have recommended during the pandemic is that a family establish a, a schedule, a daily schedule, and stick to it. And in that schedule, you should have specific time for meals, for sleeping, for schoolwork, but also play time, also mm. reading time, also uh, talking time, but then stick to that schedule. You know, what's happened is that during the pandemic, everything was mixed and mingled into one whole day of sitting in front of the screen. We worked in front of the screen. We had church. We had school. Everything was in front of the screen. We never knew exactly. Are we right now? Are we working? Are we playing? What is it? So set up that schedule and abide by it but again include special quality time with your children to talk you know by the way there's a great game it's an old game from the 70s that we have been recommending for a long time it's a it's a table game a board game to me the best game ever created it's called the ungame mm. i mm. love game because it is a very simple game to play. It only has one rule. It's not like Monopoly where you have to learn so many different things. No, it's just one rule. And here's the rule. I want to give you the rule just to show you how simple it is. The rule is this. Whoever has a turn gets to speak and everybody else has to listen. It's wow. a communication <laughs> game. So what happens on this board, you can go in one direction or another direction. It doesn't matter because it doesn't have an end that you have to get to to be the first. It's a timed game. So you say, well, we're going to play for a half hour. We're going to play for an hour. And when it's your turn, there are several cards that you can use. And one of them, for instance, one deck of cards is called lighthearted. And so it, there may be a question like, how many light bulbs are there in your house? Well, it's my turn now. So I start counting and say, uh, 15. And maybe my wife says, no, wait a minute. It's my turn. Remember, that's my turn. I get to speak. It's my turn. When it's her turn, she could say, I'm going back to that question. And actually, there are 17. Or she can pick a different question. There's a deck of questions on spiritual items, like what does baptism mean to you? See, to you, not define baptism in a theological <laughs> way, but what does it mean to you? There's another one for families. There's another one for couples. So if you could use it, you can buy it on, on uh, Amazon at the board game. Don't, don't just buy the cards, buy the game. And then set aside at least once a week, a couple hours or at least one hour, two, three times a week to play the game, meaning to communicate that is of more value than anything you can give your kids. No PlayStation will ever replace that. No new sneaker, no cell phone will replace that time right. of communication with your kids. 
Yeah, and um, that's exactly all the things that I was saying too. Is to talk about what's going on, but don't and don't ignore what's happening. So we can't just ignore that there's a pandemic. So we do have to talk about it, and let's listen to their concerns. You know, they have ideas. Kids have ideas about stuff, and I think you know the ungame will give them an opportunity to um, speak to their feelings and their and and what they're going through. But just in case, listen to their concerns. And it's okay not to have the right answer. You don't even have to have the right answer. You know, you don't. You can just say, mm, "I don't know about that." Let me think about that. You can always say, "Let's talk about it again tomorrow." You can validate their feelings. You know, if they feel like I'm sick of the mask, why try to tell the kids? You know, girl, you're gonna put that mask on. You know, you're gonna like it. No, 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 no. You don't like it. Why would you expect the kids to like it? So we just simply say, yes, you know, it is uh, annoying sometimes. So when we're in the house, we're going to make sure we take this off. But when we when we are sad, we can make sure it's off. But when we go into other people's houses and spaces, we will wear our masks. Uh, and then you agree as far as possible. Uh, learn to speak cooperatively, like words like we or us. Try to steer away from me, my, and I. You know, mm. that's my food. That's my, this, this is my house. You know, well, cause we're, I hope we can drop in here this a little <laughs> bit. Somebody put it in the um, chat that this is September is uh, suicide, national suicide prevention month. And so we do want to just kind of address it that when our kids feel as a uh, doctor, I can't say your last name. That's why I say the doctors. We're <laughs> saying um, is that, you know, talking to them, makes them feel a part of the group. The main two reasons, there's others, but two reasons is I feel like I'm a burden and I'm isolated. When, when we communicate and talk to them, when they are part of this group, the we group, then they are not isolated. Mm. So we want to make sure that we, we're doing some little uh, suicidal prevention proof there, some suicidal prevention by making sure that our children, our teenagers are a part of our team in our group, it's a weeness in our family. And then, of course, being more intentional about building joy into your lives. Please be intentional about that. Learn to say thank you to your spouse when they do the small things. Learn to say thank you to the children. You know, I have heard so many times, well, they're supposed to get good grades or they're supposed to do this. No, 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 no. They do these things because they love you. And mm -hmm. it's only kind of you to just simply say thank you. I appreciate that. Or I think you did an awesome job. You have now, COVID is forcing us to deal with each other and to watch how we've been dealing with each other and to change it if it's not working. That's what it's forcing. I, I just want to address something that was just written in the chat. Someone just wrote that they are, they're praying for ways to encourage more family time and more communication. And what I would respond to that, there's one thing that we encourage families to do that's really so simple, and that's on a daily basis, start utilizing the one piece of furniture in the house that is the most underutilized piece of furniture every family has. And you know what that is? The dining room table. Oh my. <laughs> we, need, we need to clean off that dining room table and we need to start having meals around the table together. Mm -hmm. It's a technology free zone. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the iPhones, the iPads, the video games. We're just going to enjoy family dinner together. And that one thing, you'd be surprised, the conversations you can have around the dinner table 
that you would not have any other time during the day if you uh, make it consistent and you make it a technology-free zone. Wow. And, and Sister as, Correll, as, by the way, yeah. Sister Correll, by the way, don't worry about not saying our last name. Just simply say Your Majesty, and we'll know you're talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried to do that, but I thought I would be a little right. <laughs> Yes, you know what? And, and just like you schedule everything else, schedule it in. Put it on your schedule, and it has to become important. It has to become very important to you because I think someone says uh, when the man person dies, they never heard anybody say, I wish I would did one more day at work, but they always say, I wish I would spend one more day with my family. Yes. So I think that that's really important. She's saying, you know, have dinner, but make sure just schedule it in. This is the time and you respect it because that's very, very important. <laughs> Uh, to spend time with them. And another thing about children, young people, they don't need a lot of time. I mean, let me say a lot of time at once. They may not want okay. to be somewhere with you for like a whole, I noticed that the doctor said a half an hour, we're going to play this game for a half an hour because that's really about as much time as kids can put up with their parents anyway, at any one given time. But, you know, if you don't think I have to spend four hours straight, that's what I'm trying to say. Think, you know, even the 10 minutes or five minutes, those times can be very, very uh, useful and helpful. So I think that that's one of the things you want to keep in mind. You don't have to try to do it for four or five hours straight. Listen, we're back. Look, I, I got a burning question here, uh, Roger, that I just got to I gotta ask. I know it's probably somewhere down on the list, but I got to ask this question. So listen, um, parenting, uh, great books out there. You have Sacred Parenting, Gary Thomas. You know, you have... Um, all these other uh, information that tell us about parenting and give us the, the I guess, the, the summary of parenting or the gist of parenting. And that is raising your child to love the Lord, you know, just trying to do that, being that example. Um, but, but here's the thing. In parenting, uh, there's a partnership that takes place. And, and talking more to uh, the, the married couple who are parents, because we have a lot of single parents out there as well. Right. But for the well. We'll ask this question dealing with the married couples, and then we'll ask another question dealing with the single uh, parents as well. So there's a partnership that takes place, right? And in this partnership, you have to strategize, right? You got to strategize how you're going to do it. And, and each parent has their particular responsibility, things that they've learned, maybe from their you know um, family of orientation that they took now in their family of procreation. And so you have this strategy going on. And so as you're parenting your child now, based on what you've learned, based on, you know, your relationship with your spouse, how can the different roles that you play as a parent help or hinder your child? You, you know, kids are so smart and <laughs> kids will learn very quickly. Mom would let me do that, but dad will say yeah. no. So I'm going to go ask mom, you know, kids know, don't they? That, that's the truth. And so we tell parents, be on the same page. Make sure you're on the same page. And if you do disagree, have that conversation in private mm. where your child is not around. Let's discuss this in, in private. You know, Johnny wants to go have a sleepover. I'm mm. not comfortable. Maybe I'm not comfortable yet because the, because of the pandemic issues, but dad is. Well, 
let me talk with your dad about it in private and we'll get back with you with a decision. And then talk together in private, not in front of the child if you differ. Uh, so that's, that's so important. Keep a united front in front of your children. All right. You can, uh, I completely agree with that. And then, you know, people don't believe in that anymore. We're like complete open books around children and they are children. They don't understand. They don't understand everything. And adults fighting, think about this, think about you. And then there's two big Tyrannosaurus Rexes and they're fighting. That is really scary. You know, the, if you're fighting, you're like all the power and the powers of fighting and the kids, that can be pretty scary for them. So I'm recommending to, I completely agree, let's be on one accord as far as possible, be on one accord. Speak cooperatively with each other. You know, uh, sometimes you can fall into, the wife can say, oh, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to have chicken for dinner. And then the husband will say, well, I think tomatoes are better. Well, she didn't ask you that. That wasn't a question, right? So learn to speak cooperatively with each other. Well, honey, yeah, that might be good. What do you think about adding some tomatoes to that? Let's be cooperative. Remember, each of you will make mistakes. We all make mistakes. So let's avoid being judgmental. So if a parent is making a mistake, you know, and it's not, I'm not talking about a big mistake, like, you know, something that's going to bring CPS to your front door. But sometimes parents may punish the child. It may not necessarily, you may not think they need to be punished. That's not the time, as she said, to step in there and say, well, you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't say that to them or whatever. Well, wait until later on. You know, you have other times that you can. So uh, avoid being judgmental. And then remember, you can always come back to a conversation if the situation is getting too heated. If it's getting too heated, you can always say, let's talk about it later, sweetheart. It does, it's not imperative that you talk about anything in that moment. If you haven't before, it's time to discuss the differences between your parenting styles. You know, some parents, there usually is one parent who's a little bit more lenient than the other parent, and one person may be a little bit more strict. So let's have a talk about it. Let's, let's set some boundaries. You know, okay, honey, you know, I know that on the Sabbath, it's okay with you if they go to the bowling alley, but that's not, you know, something that I feel comfortable with. So we're not going to have the bowling alley, you know. So let's come to some agreements. Let's resolve the situation, and let's stick to the boundaries that were set. And let's be fair. You know, let's be fair about it. So, and the effects of being overly restricted often end up with teens being going in the opposite direction and being too lenient can allow them to go too far uh, too soon. So we want to try to stay in the middle and remember that your spouse is there as your help me, you know, so you may not like that they're saying your child can't go to the bowling alley, but it's her child too or his child too. And so we have to say, well, let's suspend the bowling alley until we can come to an agreement on it. And then guess what? What's important now is how we tell the child. If we say you're not ever going back to the bowling alley again, okay, you're going to have a problem. Mm. There's a problem right now. So now we can say, well, you know what? Mom wasn't comfortable with that. We are a family. And so we're going to, and, and in this case, it has to do with spiritual growth and spiritual development, which is very important. And so I'm agreeing with mom. And so we're going to take that off the table from right now. But you can go to the bowling alley on Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But you can't do it on Friday. So, you know, that's a way to do stuff. The how you do stuff is pretty much more important than what you're doing. And, that and the, family, the family context is one of the best places also to teach forgiveness. 
You know, mm. maybe I did get upset with my spouse or maybe I did jump the gun and, and give permission for something before we had that conversation in private. So what an opportunity for us to, to say, you know, I'm sorry, um, I messed up. I didn't do it the right way. And someone wrote a question about how do we teach our children some of those conflict management skills? Well, this is a perfect example of that. You know, I, I got upset, I lost my temper, I want to apologize, not, you know, not only in front of dad, but in front of you, because you were witness to that. And uh, mm. but I want to assure you that dad and I love each other. Our marriage is, you know, that's important too, that even during those times when they see us get upset, that we still assure them our marriage is okay. Mom and dad are still okay. We still love each other, but we've mm. had a little difficult time and we worked through that with apology and forgiveness model. So, so listen, you, you just, you just hit a nerve for me. <laughs> my mom is watching, so she'll know what I'm talking about here. And I'm not sure if my dad is watching. What say now? <laughs> listen, we're real and relevant on this show. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, for a long time, my parents are divorced. And for a long time, I felt it was my fault based on what I saw happen. Um, and, and, and I was kind of like, whoa, you know, it took me a while to kind of kind of, you know, even now and then it took me a while to, 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 to what, forgive myself or let myself know I was not the reason my parents divorced or, you know, kids, are kids are seeing these things and, and, and they're carrying a lot in them, what mm -hmm. what what can you share to our parents? You 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 hit the subject, you hit the nerves, so I'm going there. What you know is, I love what you said, uh, uh, Doctor Pam, when you talked about. Well, I messed up. I wanted to, you know, I'm sorry, honey. We, you know, we did. But what 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 about those moments when you really know that hey, he's wrong, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not going to tell him sorry. You know, he's wrong, and. How do we help our kids deal with what they're seeing and, and, and maybe what they may be carrying? So very often, not only when we were in the pastoral ministry, but also as family ministers, directors, we've had parents that come to us and say, can you talk to my little Johnny? You know, he's misbehaving suddenly or he's getting bad grades in school. And, and you know, the question that we ask is, how is your marriage doing? No, no, Pastor, we came to talk about, you know, Johnny, but I want to know how your marriage is going. But why is that, Pastor? So I explained to them something that in psychology we refer to as triangulation. Mm. Just in, in, a, in a couple of words, triangulation happens when, say, for instance, mom and dad are arguing and little Johnny then begins to misbehave in order to distract mom and dad from the arguments that they're facing. So they create a very unhealthy triangle. So that's why we want to work with the couple to resolve their issues. And very often, Johnny actually gets better. What's, what he's doing, one of my professors used to say, uh, negative attention, uh, positive attention is better than negative attention, but negative attention is better than no attention at all. What Johnny's mm. doing is getting negative attention to distract the parents away from their conflict because he would rather have them yell at him than yell at each other. Wow. So if you see your child suffering, it may be something related to your marriage. Mm -hmm. So again, what we go back to is look at the health of your relationship 
because that will benefit your children. From the child point of view, yes, as parents, you have to say, you know, I'm sorry, we have come to the place where we have unresolved differences for whatever reason, and some marriages did come to that. But I want to assure you that it was not your fault. We, as adults, couldn't get along, couldn't find resolution. It may not make sense to you right now, but I just want to assure you it wasn't your fault. At least have the, the strength, the courage, the decency to do that for your child, as opposed to letting them suffer for the rest of their life, like Roger, you mentioned, thinking, I must have been the cause of my parents' breakup, which is obviously not true. And I think even without a breakup, children, as you said, passed away, children are getting an idea about situations that they're really not communicating with their parents about. You know, we really don't know what's going on in those little ears. But we could know if the child says stuff like, you know, I'm just a big problem. You know, I, I'm, I always make mistakes. Now, what we're usually going to say is something like, no, don't say that. You know, you, you, you know, don't say that. Or we might say, yeah, you always get in trouble for sure. You know, we may say it that way. But if we take the time and say, well, tell me a little bit about that. What, what, what's going on that makes you feel that way? And let's follow that conversation with open-ended questions so that we can give them that opportunity to actually talk about what's going on on the inside. You know, we see sometimes children sitting on the side of the bed looking sad, but we might just go on past, oh, I don't feel like dealing with it, or, you know, I got this ice cream that I don't want him to get any of, and he's quiet. So, you know, it's we have our own stuff that we are dealing with, but we have to be in tune and alert because those opportunities, they surface, they come up. And if we don't uh, pay attention to them, then they can you know, go back down and may not resurface for some years. But meanwhile, your children has been operating out of this belief that may not be true. And we didn't take the time to figure it out. And it, it, the longer people live under those irrational beliefs, the longer we, you live up under that, the more difficult it is to pull yourself back away from the destructive behaviors that go with their rational beliefs. So, you know, we can if you see it, if you see your children, you know, you know your kids. You know, if you see your kids and they, they uh, there's something inside of you which is usually called the Holy Spirit saying, pay attention to that, pay attention to that. That's, that means go talk to this kid about it, you know, ask some questions and, you know, and be non-judgmental. If you ask me, you know, well, you know, why did you do that? It's going to be, I don't know. I, I don't know why I did that. That's exactly what's going to happen. So we have to figure it out. How to, how to is so important. How to talk to our kids, to get them to open up and to, and maybe if, if someone would have said to you, well, you know, you're looking pretty sad about that and talk and talk, eventually you would have gotten up the courage and the trust, which we haven't even touched, trust to say to your parent, you know, mama, I think the time that I, I uh, burnt the food up and dad was real upset, I think that's why he's mad at you. You know, that could have been a game changer for your whole life. Please, please lead us. But I'm sharing with the, with the group. This was that, that was that helped me a little bit there. So thank you. I got I got one question I got to ask, and then we'll probably um, say a few, a few other things. Okay, so we're talking about parenting. Most of the conversation dealt with a mother and a father in a home, right? Mm-hmm. 
the single parent. Um, what, what? Yeah, and, and you know what? We can't even we can't even really open up this topic too much because I know we have limited time. But the single parent during the pandemic, what are some of the things that you think might be helpful um, for a single parent to utilize during this pandemic as they raise their children? Self care. You okay. You have to take care. You have to take care of yourself. You know, so you're going to need some downtime. You have to. Remember we talked about penciling in or scheduling in that time where you eat dinner or do something special with the family. You have to do the same thing for yourself. Schedule in some time for you and then make that time count. Don't spend it looking at COVID stuff and all the bad news in the whole world. You know, spend some time reading the Bible, studying refreshing yourself or just being outside on your porch while the kids are laying down. But you have to take that time for yourself. That's the, the number one. If you go down, where's the family? You're it. Everything is on you. So you have to. And then build yourself a support system. You must build it. If your family is dysfunctional and it's probably better for your children to not be with your family, Start building you a support system, even now in the pandemic. Start mm. looking at ways that you can start building a support system because you're going to need, you know, some support and some help. Those things are important. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Do you know? Don't be afraid. a lot of times people think it's a badge of honor to suffer alone mm. and to suffer, you know, in isolation when you don't have to ask for help. You know, and you may have to reciprocate and give some help back too. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But ask for help and make sure you do some self care. You know, pampering yourself. If you, you know, you may not be able to afford to go out and pay one hundred and fifty dollars for a hairdo, but you may be able to get you some bath bubbles or something, some candles to put in your bathroom while you take a nice long shower or a nice long bath. You know, go at your, you know, financial capabilities, but take, you have to take, I cannot, I cannot emphasize that. If, if anything, one of the things I think is really big right about now is being burnt out, you know, just burnt mm -hmm. out emotionally, tap out, you know, uh, psychologically, you know, just tap out and cannot give another thing. Well, you can get all that back really if you start consistently and practicing um, I'm going to say the Bible calls it meditation. Sit down and start counting your blessings. Do that regularly. Mm -hmm. You know, or bless me this way. Testify. You know, talk, talk, talk back to God. Say, hey, I'm grateful you gave me this. I'm grateful for that because you need to be rejuvenated and renewed. And that doesn't come by thinking about problems all the time. You have to give that brain a relax. You, uh, relaxation, relaxation. You have to give your body some relaxation, and you got to. I know you love your kids, right? But you need time away. So if that means that you know they go down, I mean every day. For me, nap time is like sacred. Go to bed. <laughs> you got to have nap time. You know, and older kids can have private time. You know, okay, you guys, it's private time. Go to your prospective room, sit down. Um, I think Pamela said it. Schedule that stuff in. Make sure you stick to the schedule, people. Oh, well, he wanted to get up. No, 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 no. You can't get up right now. 
you know, after if time is up, and let's say that the nap time is an hour, if it's up, you know, I might go in and whisper, your nap is up. If they don't hear me, oh well, you know. So, but I'm just saying, <laughs> take time for yourself. I love take it. Time you take time for yourself. I love it. The consuegas, what what's that strategy? What do we want? Parents today that are listening on how to manage a parent and also going through this pandemic. You know, last year was actually quite beneficial to us in a way because since we were not able to travel, we de- we developed devoted a lot of our time to writing. We actually wrote six books last year, two of them for single parents. One of them called Single Dad, mm. or Single Solo Mom, and the other one Solo Dad. They're both available through Advent Source. Uh, so what uh, Sister Carell was saying, some of the things that she mentioned are containing those books. <clears throat> Surround yourself with the people that help you absolutely partner with other single parents, mm. preferably single parents of the same gender, so that you don't somehow develop an attraction to another single parent of a different gender and then develop into a relationship that may not be healthy because then you get into a blended family situation, which could be even more challenging. Mm. So single moms, try to find other single moms, single dads, try to find some other single dads that you can help and support one another. I will take care of your kids tonight so that you can go out and play golf or go shopping or whatever it is that you need to do to refresh yourself, to disconnect from the kids for a little while. Then tomorrow night, you take care of my kids. Those kinds of partnerships are very important. The other great resource that every one of us parents have, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of us parents have, is grandparents, which in fact, we also have a book for grandparents also available through Advent Source. Grandparents can become members of of our parenting team, Mm. especially if you're a single mom or a single dad. Grandparents can help you with the raising of your kids and mentor or mentor uh, relationships. There are people in the church that don't have grandchildren who can help mentor your children. Maybe those single, those single, those moms who've never, or those ladies who've never been married, but who have the desire to have children, who have that heart for children, who can also partner with you in helping you raise the children to give you that break when you need it. So develop those partnerships, those relationships that can help you raise a child, even as a single parent. And this is also a great opportunity for church members and for pastors that are listening to us. Develop a list of resources. Every community has resources, but sometimes single parents or all of us, we don't know what those resources are. So if, if you have someone in your church, develop a list of resources within your community that are available. And all we need to do is take advantage of those so that you have resource lists ready and available to give to those who may need it. Wow. Listen, I've enjoyed uh, this conversation dealing with parenting from our experts here. And I know that our viewers, along with myself, we would love to know how to get some of these resources. I know that you're doing some awesome things there in the, uh, the social media space and also, you know, doing some writing. Um, are there some resources that we can get that you're a part of? Are, are there some things that you're doing that you probably want us to know about so that we can participate in that? So we mentioned Advent Source. Advent Source is a great place to go to for the resources that we publish. So Advent Source has six parenting resources that we have published. 
One of them is called Help, I'm a Parent, which is three different books, one for parents with children ages birth to seven, the second for children, uh, uh, for parents with children ages eight to 12, and then for the 13 to 18. So those are three parenting series, uh, and it covers 10 different topics in each one of them. It even has videos that you can use in a uh, family or neighborhood format or church format. So help, I'm a parent. The grandparenting book that we mentioned, grandparenting, uh, showing your grand, your grandchildren the grand view of God, then solo mom and solo dad. So you have six resources on parenting. Hopefully, we'll touch one or another area of parenting that 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 is important to you. So all those are available through AdventSource.org. We also have a lot of media resources. We invite you. We have. Facebook page, Twitter page, go to our NAD Family Ministries page. We also have a live broadcast uh, there on Facebook. It's called Our Family Room. So if you go to Our Family Room, that page is just for, we have 15-minute chats with parents and with children. So we talk to mom and dad, and then that's followed up with a little activity for children. And we do that in collaboration with Children's Ministries, Our Family Room. So that may be another great resource for parents. Yeah, go ahead. Share with us. All right. So, um, yeah, so we are, I want to say this. I'm really proud of this. Um, So I have a nonprofit here in St. Louis. It's called Save Our Youth. And what we've done is uh, we've we've gotten a grant. We've been awarded a grant to see children from the ages of 8 to 19 and the 17 in the um, St. Louis area. So counseling will be free for those people. So anybody out there who's looking for therapy but you can't afford it, we have the grant for you. We'll start in October. And let's see, you can um, get us at parentstrainup.com. Just put it in there that we'd like to, um, we need counseling, whatever you want to say, and we'll get in contact with you. Secondly, we have 10 e-books and all of these ebooks are tied to our parenting assessment. So you'll take the assessment quiz, and then it will tell you what, what style of parenting you, you do. And then we give you um, three recommendations of ebooks that you can get that are packed with I'm just a strategy person, how to do it. It's like having your therapist in your back pocket or on your phone. So you can, and you can use any of those strategies uh, that you choose to. We also did for um, 3ABN, Pumped Up Parents. So, and that was uh, really fun. It's, a, it's one of their, I don't think they've ever done it before. And I don't think they've done it again, but it's, it's like a little sitcom. And what we did was we took a skit of, of a family situation and then the family came to me for therapy and we resolved the issue right there on camera. And it's pretty fun. It's interesting about uh, maybe 30 minutes at a time. And so and we also have something in Advent Source too, and it's our first parents train up workbook. So that's there in Advent Source. But otherwise, it's online. And uh, we're looking forward to working with anybody who chooses to work with us. So. All right. All right. So, so listen to our, to, to our viewers, everything that you just heard will be in our, our show notes that when this show posts onto our website, the PRT.live or the PassersRoundTable.com, you will have all the links to um, every one of those resources and to, and to these wonderful guests that are here. I am just so excited. I feel good because you know, I, I knew them before and they served me in our ministry. So I'm excited to have them share with our PRT family um, what they're doing. 
Dr. Henry? Yes. Well, listen, again, thank you so much to our guests. Thank you. Thank you for being on our program today. We've learned a lot. Uh, we appreciate your passion for this subject. And we know that during this pandemic and even beyond, parenting is vital. We are raising the next generation. 